Anybody remember the old V8 commercials? The tomato juice? Sorry, it's a vegetable drink. It's not a tomato juice. It's a mixed vegetable drink. Anybody remember V8? Do people still drink V8? Do you drink the sodium-free of the light? Low sodium? Isn't it frustrating, though, because the regular sodium tastes so much better in the V8 drink when you're addicted to the salt? So I remember the commercials, like, back in the 90s. And um, they say, now we're super hot again, Kelly. I don't know what's up. Someone would walk in the office. Hey, Debbie, how's it going? And she'd be like, I'm doing okay. She's walking all crooked. Next guy comes in, shirt and tie. Hey, Bob, how's it going? He's like, I don't know, I'm feeling a little off today. You know, he's walking crooked because he hasn't had his V8. See, the V8 was the balance they needed. They were out of balance, you know what I mean? And when you're out of balance, you tend to be a little off and you don't even know it sometimes unless it's really bad and then somebody else sees it, but you don't. And you feel straight and narrow, but, but you're walking all crooked. And I was thinking, that's like my phone. My phone is like me, me having lack of V8. I'm on my phone. My kids are saying, Dad, I'm like, what? What's wrong? And I'm walking like this because I'm, I'm stuck to my phone. Maybe that's your V8 or lack of. And it just made me think of balance. And even when you're pursuing good things, you have to have balance. And if you don't have balance, a good thing can become a dreadful, painful, horrid experience. It's about balance. If we don't have balance... We can never stay passionate, and passion will die. And when passion dies, it becomes a chore. When you're passionate about something, you look forward to doing it. But when the passion burns out, it becomes a chore, and then it becomes work. And when it becomes work, then it's like uh, you start letting off the gas a little bit. You start pursuing other things, and I'll get to this later. And it becomes less important to you because the passion has burned out. But it's because of the lack of balance, perhaps, you're losing your passion in whatever it is you're pursuing. But this idea of balance is a thing in our lives. It's a thing we all desire, but often struggle with how to find it. And without balance in this crazy world that can make you go crazy one direction, if you're not careful, just plain on Google, we tend to feel a little top-heavy or pulled back and forth from side to th- side throughout our daily routines. Routines, And there are stressful situations in our life outweighing the good parts of our life, making us out of balance. And there's also sometimes really good things knocking us so out of balance that we lose touch with the necessities and importance of this world and helping others and other things that we forget about because something can be too good. You can have too, good, too much of a good thing. You've heard that before. We become unintentional. We start unintentionally looking past necessities or opportunities that build our spiritual growth, build our awareness into our world or our community, because we got it so good. Life is easy when you're rolling on dubs or whatever the rap songs say, I don't know. It's good when you got the cash money for a minute until the passion burns out. And my lack of balance may be the reason I continue to not see fulfillment. I go to church, I pray, I do these things, but I still don't see fulfillment. And maybe it's because I'm looking for balance in the wrong situations that are actually weighing me down more the other way. Keeping me not walking proportionately level like the people from the commercials drinking the V8 or they hadn't had their V8. They don't have their balance. They're out of balance. They need something to counter 
the unlevelness. And it's easy to not even realize this could be us, that we may not even be out of balance. But I ask you this morning, as you go about your day, how often do you think of others? It's a fast-paced world, and we live in it, but could it be that your greatest offset to the stress of your weight that you're carrying could be surrounding you to find balance? If we go to Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verse 30 through 34, Jesus and the apostles have been ministering all day. They missed everything. They missed the free sandwiches at Chick-fil-A that day. They missed, the, they missed the football game. They missed everything. They missed the new release on Netflix that night because they were ministering and tired. But there was a need. And this is the moment when Jesus tells them to take a break, recover. In verse 30, it says, Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest for a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. They didn't have any time to grab a sandwich because there were people over here that needed the Lord, and people over here needed hands laid on, and people over here, and people over here. And they didn't have time to stop and grab a fish or a loaf of bread, you know? So he said, come, come aside. I got a crave case over on that boat. Go, go grab it. Would Jesus eat White Castle if we had it? I don't know. It's good at first, and then, you know. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, so they departed into a deserted place in the boat by themselves. They, they had to get away from the crowd. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him, being Jesus, ran there on foot from all the cities. They ran after him. They arrived before them and came together to him. So they were still close enough. They hadn't fully departed because people swarmed. Jesus. And Jesus, when he came out of the boat, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion. Everybody say compassion. He was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep having no shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And when you see a need and you have compassion, you can't help yourself but to try to help feed the sheep. It's like your children. You wouldn't leave your children when they're starving unless they keep wasting the cheese like my little Kaylee does. Then you just leave them for a while because they're not really starving. They just say they are. But when someone's really starving, you can't help if you have a way to help them to lend compassion. It's built into our DNA. It's the way God designed us to be. And the culture has shifted our focus into being it about me when it's really about com being compassionate. He was tired. But he didn't say, see you tomorrow, come back then. He went out and ministered even the more. The title of this message is Counterbalance. And if you love it so much and you want more of it, next weekend, the YouVersion Bible app devotional will come out to counterbalance on Friday. You can find it and subscribe to it. See, a counterbalance, it brings it back level. It counters the imbalance, okay? The V8 was the counterbalance to the lack of nutrients in your system, according to the commercials. Though back then, all the sodium, we know, was really probably taking you the other direction, right? 
clean eating, all these things. We see it in food. We need balance, a balanced diet. But when we think about our life, we don't really think about, do we have balance problems? Do we have deficiencies in one area and too much supply in another so we're out of balance? And we're, we're actually suffering from it. You know, it's like the, the gluten. They say the gluten thing, if you're high, a gluten intolerant, you didn't even know you were suffering all these years. Who knew? So it's kind of like that. Your life is becoming out of balance, and you don't know that they're becoming bitter at you, that they're becoming resentful because you're not around. They, you didn't know that your wife thinks one thing because you're not doing this or that, or relationships are suffering because of a lack of balance, or you're not around your family because you're pursuing your goal about hitting your number with your business, and that's all good stuff. But when it gets out of balance, there becomes a deficiency somewhere else. So you have to counter balance the burden. And that's why we got to passion, because passion will burn out when you're out of balance. And in order to find passion, passion is built upon compassion. That's a good one. You might want to memorize that. Passion is built upon compassion, because when we recognize a deeper need for people in this world, we will begin to internalize a higher purpose, and our passion will be fueled by this thing of compassion that God put in our core that we've buried. It's easy to do, but when we recognize the need to be compassionate, we will always find a passion because you can't, you can't help it. It's in your, your genetics that God made for you not to be able to walk away when someone needs you and you know you can help them. So he helped them instead of going back to the boat. It's built upon compassion. And I bet my answer, all our answers would probably be the most, mostly the same. If I said, how do we become more compassionate? We say, I can't even find my keys in the morning. How do I, if I just had more time, I could make more time to find balance. I can make more time to do this. But maybe it's not time being the issue. But we've learned to think if I just had more time, I could be more compassionate. I could focus on my spiritual life better. And, and I want purpose, but I can't, even, I can't even get to work on time. I need, to, I need to fix today before I can. I need more time. And the preacher's preaching about purpose and all these floaty things, and they sound really good and, and spiritual, but I can't even find my keys, and you don't want to be around me and tell me to have compassion when I don't have my coffee and all these things. I need a fix for that before I can do that. I need more time to fix this first. That's what we think. We think it's a time issue. We think if we had more time, we'd be more effective. But we've seen time can be wasted in the wrong things. And when you waste time, you will be short on time. But it's not because you didn't have enough of it. It's because it was being put in the wrong places. It's a domino effect. You know how it is. Monday mornings, traffic's bad. Someone cuts you off. You get in the office. The boss looks at you because you're late. Then you get a bad review. No race for you, Nate. All because you ran out of coffee beans. I mean, who knew it would wreck your career? It's a domino effect. When it rains, it pours. When we get one bill, we get them all, right? When we're short on money, that's when all the bills come in for the year, right? It's, it's like, it's like the, the IRS man knows when we're the brokest throughout the year, they send the most bills, right? When it rains, it pours. It's a domino effect. If I just had more time. But it's a perception thing. It's not really about time. I'm trying to reach my goals. I'm grinding. That's the cool thing. I'm grinding. I'm grinding. You know you can grind yourself right into no family. 
You can grind yourself right into millions of dollars and have nothing to show for it and wondering where did your life go? You know how many CEOs and entrepreneurs that hit the top are the most miserable people? And I'm all about it. I'm all about success and doing great and all these things. But when you lose your priority and you lose your balance, you're going to suffer from it and become offset. And it's going to feel like a chore. And then you just start wondering, well, what am I doing with my life? Ten years has gone by. Goals are great, but when they outweigh my relationships, I'm out of balance. When my focus becomes so narrow and I forget those around me, I start losing balance. And I'm just so tired because I'm so busy. I can't remember yesterday. I become a cranky pants. Anybody know what it's like to be a cranky pants? That's what we say to our kids. Is that... Is that what adults call it? I've been saying cranky pants to my little boy so much, I don't even know what adults call it. We call it being cranky pants. And if you're like Colton, when that boy don't get a nap and he's tired and he's, he's sick too, he becomes Taz. And you all know what Taz looks like. You've probably seen him by now. If you've been to one seat church more than twice, you've probably seen Taz come out. He's out of balance because he's tired and he's burnt out and he needs sleep. He needs rest. He needs those deficient areas to come back to their nutritious levels. He needs a V8, maybe. Low sodium. I think he needs more than that sometimes, but that's what happens. We become deficient, and it starts becoming a burden. The greatest thing that started out so exciting to us has now become a dreadful experience, and we just want it off our plate. It was never a bad thing. It was always a good thing, and it still is. It's because we drowned ourselves in it and left everything else and got out of balance. You need a counterbalance. Too much of one thing will turn passion into pain, joy into dread, and become a heavy burden. But Jesus says, my burden is light and my yoke is easy. That message was kind of about the same thing. It's about balancing the load. How do we carry the load when it's so heavy? Maybe our life is filled with on-the-surface needs. And we, we go get the thing, and then we still lack joy because the thing wears off because those things were never meant to sustain passion. Passion comes from an outward expression through compassion. It ties into other people. You can never have compassion within yourself. You have to be compassionate to someone else because passion is built upon compassion. When I recognize a deeper need, I will begin to internalize a higher purpose. You'll look at your life differently. You'll look at your goals differently. You'll look at your family and your friends and your peers differently. You'll look at the steak and shake people differently when they're late with your bag of food and the fries are cold. They left off the lettuce and the tomato on the Frisco melt you asked for because they quit wanting to provide it because they got cheap and you'll forget all about all that because you know now you have to be compassionate even at the drive-thru in your one-seat church hat, in your one-seat church shirt. It's better. It used to be a one-seat church van that was fully decaled, so you had to really watch it then. You'd be driving that thing around. You better be nice to people. Phone number, website, the logo. It was everywhere. It was great. Anyway, some of y'all don't get that, but it's okay. My humor is a little strange. When it gets bad enough, it's like... Uh, you remember those things on the playground, the metal merry-go-rounds? I call them a spin wheel, but Michelle said they're, they're called a merry-go-round. They're metal, and what was so cool about 
the metal, go, metal merry-go-rounds when you're a kid is you want to go as fast as you can, right? The whole idea was to see if you could puke. I mean, that was the fun thing, right? And so you get on there, and then your friend, the stronger one, he's got to spin it, and then you start. Okay, let me off. I can't get off of it. You know, and they're like, yeah, we threw up, yeah. But as an adult, that doesn't sound fun. And your life gets like that. You get so going on that, on that merry-go-round when you want to stop. Now how do I stop? Because I can't see nothing. I can't see anything outside of my circle because I'm spinning out of control. I'm out of control. I'm going to throw up because I'm dizzy. My equilibrium is out of control from my life spinning and spinning and spinning. And I just want to get off this thing. And I, will, I want to see those people out there that need me, but I can't because I'm doing this. That's our, that's our life, hopefully, figuratively. Now, if y'all still playing on the metal, metal merry-go-rounds at your age, that's cool. And you may be spinning out of control, literally. I'd probably break a labrum like I have or something. I'd injure a knee. You could spin out of control that way. But this is talking figuratively. We were taught that if we get on that spin wheel and we go as fast as we can and as hard as we can, we'll gain as fast as we want and we'll hit the top the quickest. But nobody said that you're going to puke at the end and lose focus and lose control because we thought if we, if we hustled as hard as we could and we gave it our best shot, it's only one life. you got to give it your best shot. If you only did all, as fast as you can, nobody said there'd be a consequence that you could lose everything in the process because your life would spin out of control without balance. thought more faster has to be better but now I'm burnt out I'm tired of that tired of saying hi to them I'm tired of smiling when I don't feel like it the weight has become so heavy I've lost my sensitivity to people come on now y'all know someone like that it takes a long time you become numb to people like leather. You become calloused over time because you've been in that spin for so long. Now you, people don't want to be around you when really deep down you want people, but you're spinning so hard for so long you just become numb to it and accepted that this is the way it's got to stay. But that's not true. That's what the devil wants you to think. That's not true. You've lost compassion for those in need you become numb to a better way. But Jesus made a better way. Jesus made time for those in need. He made time even though he was hungry. He made time even though they were tired. He knew they were sheep with no shepherd, and he knew he could help them. He broke a barrier. He broke through the spin by turning his focus, even if he couldn't see straight because he was tired. Even if you're on that merry-go-round and you can't see straight, you're going to step off and say, I'm coming off this thing. I'm going to go to them. I'm going to see what they need from me. And eventually, when you fall down, you're going to get back up and you're going to start seeing clearly again. But you got to get off the wheel and get up and take the fall sometimes. You got to take one to give one. You know what I mean? In fighting, sometimes you, in the, we watch MMA a lot. I know it's violent and it's not Jesus like, but we watch it. And, and in fighting, a lot of the times, what they say is you got to go in there and take one to get in because the guy's got a long reach on you. And if you want to get out of the spin wheel, you got to jump off even though it's going to hurt for a minute. You got to get out of it. And eventually you'll get back up and you'll start seeing clearly again. 
You'll regain your focus and you'll start feeling new because you got out of that treacherous, never-ending tornado of a merry-go-round that your life had become. You got to leave it. You got to leave that situation. You'll become passionate again when you leave that situation and focus on others because passion is built upon compassion. And when I'm compassionate, my passion will start burning because I realize there's a deeper need. And so I start internalizing my higher purpose that God has created me to serve on this earth as his body. I want joy in my life. I need balance, God. I tried to find happiness by buying the Range Rover. It's cool, but now I got to fix the thing. I bought the BMW, but now I got to fix it. Woo, that's expensive. Hmm. Don't feel good anymore. Thought someone else was going to pay for that. I've built myself into a corner of self. And I don't know how to get out of it. I'm spinning. Well, you got you to gotta love yourself before you love others. That's true. It's true. And the way you determine what real love is, is by loving others. When you love people, God created you to love and be compassionate, you will learn what true love feels like because you will lose the conditions of your love. You will lose the condition of why you're going to do this or that. And when you do it wholeheartedly, unconditionally, you're going to see a pure love that you, you maybe never experienced. Maybe you never got to feel that from your parents because they didn't treat you good. Or maybe you didn't get the love that you wanted, but you still have air to breathe. So you still have a chance to experience the kind of love God wants you to live your life through, which is an unconditional, selfless love. And then you will find how to love yourself even greater. Because you know when you give it to them, it comes back to you. There is nothing more fulfilling than doing good and helping somebody. It took me most of my life to even believe that, let alone do it. But after a few times, I started realizing, man, I had it backwards. I had it backwards. I was collecting stuff, but feeling empty. And when I started giving away to those who thought it was gold that I thought was trash, they said, wow, thank you so much. I thought, wow, that feels good. I don't even want that thing. I started becoming compassionate. And then it led into more because then I started, seeing a, I started seeing people different. That's what happens. God changes your heart through the process, through compassion. That's when the fire will start burning. You've gotten off the wheel. You realize it's not about time. And now your passion is starting to burn because God wants to light a fire inside of you that's built around compassion. And it's a fire that doesn't go out. And it may, it may get low at sometimes, but when you got that fire inside of you, he's going to put more logs on it and keep that smoker going, Mike. He's going to keep that flame going. That flame's not going to go out like when you leave the pellet grill and you run out of pellets because God's going to keep putting logs on that fire and keep it going. Those coals are going to stay hot when compassion is the source of everything you do. It will come back to you. It's not like you're abandoning your life. That's what we think. You're actually gaining life. It's going to start a fire. First Peter chapter 3, verse, I got this piece of <laughs> string here. It just keeps floating around my pulpit. First Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 9 says, Finally, all of you be of one mind. One mind. How many know the bodies be of one mind, one accord? 
It's to be unified. It matters. If you got a scattered house, your house can't stand, the Bible says. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Another Love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, return a blessing, even when they didn't give it to you, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing, because when you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you have done it to me, the king. When you've done it to them, I will give it back to you. If you want it for you, you got to give it to them, because it goes like this. You will inherit a blessing. Amen. You guys with me? A fire will start. You'll desire joy again. You'll have a desire again to find joy that just went numb for so many years. You'll have a desire. You, you need a fire to be lit inside of you. And, and part of our vision at 1C Church is to be a compassionate community outreach evangelistic church showing people that we really want to help people. And that will draw people in return. And it's not about that, but that's just naturally what would happen because we were designed to be compassionate. And when we are compassionate, others will flock to the herd, then to the barn after the shed. One seed at a time. You want to remember what hope feels like? Reach out to someone in need. And when you see their face light up, you'll remember what hope feels like. You want to remember what passion is, how to conquer the day? Turn your heart to someone in need and you start to feel it come back. It starts coming back. Within our abilities, our capacity, we can do great things for this world, but it has to be selfless the smallest gestures. We've been talking about this idea for, for weeks. It's because it's a big part of our foundation, this whole idea of being compassionate, serving. We really want people to understand that fundamental aspect of walking with Jesus because it's kind of like the foundation to his whole ministry. And if we miss that, we miss it as a church. So we don't want to miss that. That's why you'll hear me keep repeating a lot of these things the last few weeks. But God will start a fire. And my greatest weapon against stress and the IRS and the devil, see, I separated them. See, I said the IRS and the devil. See, my greatest weapon is to be grateful anyway, is to be grateful anyway for that which the good Lord has already put in your path. When you become grateful, you will find passion because you will find joy in things you've had all along that you just became numb to. My passion is built upon compassion. And as I'm compassionate, I will begin to recognize a deeper need and start to internalize a higher purpose. Your passion will resurface like once had, but even greater when it's for God. Before it was for self and you had passion, but it burnt out. When you get passionate for God like you were for self back when you were going after it in life and things were good, you'll be shocked at what really happens. You'll find a joy that you'd never felt before that didn't happen before. You thought you had seen the best, but you hadn't seen nothing yet until you find joy through the Lord. When your passion is to serve the Lord, your life will go to a whole nother dimension. Dimension. We've been called as a church to a higher purpose to deliver the good news verse 9 knowing that you were called to this we were called to this it's part of our duty as the body is to demonstrate his body as the arms and feet even when we want to go 
hang out on the boat. We'll know what to do. That fire in you will shift to others. If y'all could stand with me as we close this morning. One week post-resurrection, almost one seed annual barbecue month. Hey. I don't know if y'all been to the barbecue. It's awesome. Tell your friends, May 26th. It's our anniversary. Wait, is it May 26th? May 20th. 26th. It's our anniversary too. Come on now. 12 years. Come on. Just like a little, little golf clap. My wife's back there. You see me looking back there all the time. It's because I, I look to my wife if I'm saying it right. Sometimes I get the dates wrong. She, she does this. But seriously, this week, I encourage you, look to someone in need this week on the smallest level and see if you can lend some compassion to them. God moves mountains, we plant seed. One waters, one plants, God gives the increase. No one's asking you to move a mountain, plant a seed. I know the steak and shake lady probably threw it in the trash. I know the guy at auto, uh, what is it, Dobbs. I know he probably threw it in the trash. I know the guy at Target probably threw it in the trash. But one of these days, someone's going to come in and say, hey, I got your card. And I'm going to say, thank you, God, because I knew if I planted enough seed, someone would come to this church from one of those cards. And if not, I'll go to my death trying just so I can prove a point that it's possible, even if it's one out of a thousand like the KFC recipe. Thousand knows the KFC recipe finally got a yes. Anyway, I digress easily if you haven't noticed. Plant the seed, but God will move a mountain if you keep planting. Just do our portion in the field. Remember we talked about the harvest? We want the harvest. Just work at your part in the field. Nobody asks you to take the whole field. Just plant and harvest your part of the field. And as laborers, we will see a harvest come. It's awesome. Be tenderhearted when it hurts the most. That's when you'll see the most growth. When it really hurts and you want to be so mad when that happens this week, be tenderhearted. Laugh it off. Take a deep breath. They don't even know what they said. They don't know how stupid that was, what they said to me. I did that once. I did that too. I remember I was that way. How could they be like this? Well, they saw me do it 10 years ago. Oh, I forgot about that part. See, we all had our our moments. We all got bones in the closet. So when we feel like we don't have to be tenderhearted, remember Jesus was tenderhearted to us first when he died on the cross. So that's your excuse to always be tenderhearted when you don't feel like it. Is if he was if he died on that cross and you claim the blood of Jesus, you have to be tenderhearted also. Otherwise, we become hypocrites to his word. And we don't want to be that. We want to get off the boat and go help those in need because they need a shepherd. Pray for those in need. Remember the mission counterbalance the weight of life with something selfless and reap the reward of fulfillment you've been longing so desperately for. If we could bow our heads right now as we close this service, Lord, we come to you in your mighty name. The only name given among men in which we can be saved, Lord, you shed your blood for us and we celebrated your resurrection last week and we are so grateful, Lord, God, that you would be willing to to love us when we don't deserve it, to, 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 to help us when you're tired and you need a break and you're hungry. You will still be compassionate on us when we, when we don't need it. We don't deserve it. We don't, we, it's by your grace you decided to love us anyway. Jesus, you are the only way. You are the way, the truth, and the life. You are the only way. There is none beside you, Lord. God, we know this. 
Help us shine that light. Help us be a true example. Help us be a compassionate church. Help us be tender-hearted. Help us remember the mission here at One Seed Church. And if the house of God could say, in Jesus' name, amen.